Boker Tov, good morning everyone, Shalom Aleichem, glad you're here with me this morning, hope you're doing well, hope everybody's being blessed, whoops, sorry about that, uh, yeah, doing, doing good this morning, I'm doing well, life is good, life is exciting, we are uh, just so uh, excited about what Hashem is doing here at Sar Shalom Synagogue and building the family building the mishpacha we are in the month of tevet now uh the month of kislev which is such a powerful powerful month has passed we believe and know that hashem has done uh, mighty things for us uh, sometimes you know god does things for us and uh, we're not always able to see it necessarily right away we don't see what's happened necessarily. This, this is a, just a general encouragement to all of us. Uh, we don't always see exactly what's going on, but but we know that God is working. Even like this, like there's a song, right? There's a song that says, even when we don't see Him working, we know that He is working. So uh, we're glad for God doing the work, and there's people who are just being blessed and, and growing and, and coming here. By the way, I have the, the teaching on Tevet on this channel, T-E-V-E-T, -E -T, Tevet, um, that we have uh, for this month. I recorded it last year, brought down the highlights of the month, of what things we can look at and look for and so on. And so I just want to make you aware that it's there. And then you can... Uh, Take a look at it and see what Hashem might um, might show you in your uh, you know understanding of this month, Baruch Hashem. Let's get into some some interesting highlights here <clears throat> as we're looking at the story of, of Vayigash. Uh, as we read yesterday, looking at some insights, Yosef makes himself known to his brothers. We discussed about how. Uh, that comes about how he makes himself known uh, on his own. It doesn't require, he doesn't require uh, anybody uh, to uh, reveal uh, who he is. We talked about the pattern there of the Messiah. We talked about the name change of Yosef and how the changing of his name was actually uh, part of, uh, as it turns out, part of the revealing I had my little soapbox about the name of uh, Yeshua, and we talked about that at length. Let's look at some other insights here and see where where this leads us. You know, um, there is a statement that's made, incidentally, that uh, you, you, you will hear this often if you haven't already as you are studying Torah and using ancient sources. You'll hear this phrase that says, study the Torah for the Torah's sake. And so uh, let's just explore for just a moment what that means, because it, I suppose it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, you know, uh, and so on. But Rebetzin and I were, as we always do, having our morning devotional, reading some insights, and, and I was reading today's Tanya, which is chapter five. Which, by the way, is fascinating. Tanya is rather deep, by the way. Uh, it's very esoteric and deep. Um, kind of goes into 
an explanation of how the Torah is food and so on. It kind of makes everything Yeshua was saying about I'm the bread of life, eat my flesh, drink my blood, makes total sense. But that aside, it actually addresses the concept of studying the Torah for uh, the Torah's sake. And what that means is to study the Torah for the sole purpose of connecting to Hashem. For the sole purpose of connecting to Hashem. That's what it means. Study the Torah for the Torah's sake. So I believe that that's really powerful because people can study the Torah for all kinds of of reasons. And uh, it's possible and, and probably likely that many times those reasons are for some level of self-gratification, which, by the way, is, is is really, it's not really the root of sin. The root of sin is pride, but it's kind of the, the driving force, you might say, behind sins. Every, every sin is really, at, at the end of the day, self-gratification in one way or the other. Whether you're murdering someone, God forbid, or you're robbing a bank, or you're just lying, or you're stealing, or cheating, or 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 being unkind, all of that is self uh, gratification. So you can study the Torah for knowledge, and, and and some of these things, by the way, are not negative. Okay, so studying the Torah for knowledge, studying the Torah so that we'll know how to serve God. You know, those are all valid things. And then sometimes we have self-gratification at the root of things. It's not necessarily sin. But the bottom line is, is that the Torah, the word mitzvot, for instance, commandment, uh, means to connect. It's actually, we say mitzvah means commandment. True. That is true. It also means to connect. So by fulfilling the mitzvot, we have a connection to Hashem. And and, and, and the Torah, and this kind of is a tongue-in-cheek brilliance, the Torah itself is brilliant. <laughs> because what does it do? The Torah is our interface with an infinite God. It's our in our human form, it's our ability to to connect with a a being, an entity, a a spirit that otherwise one could not interface with. So therefore, we have the Torah. So therefore, when we when we study the Torah and keep the Torah, we interface as it were with God. So studying the Torah. The encouragement here is studying the Torah uh, is all about uh, connecting with God. And that really should be our focus. And if you'll notice, I've said before about trials and tribulations and difficulties that we have in life. Life itself is a test. Rebetzin Youngris wrote the book, literally. And Rebetzin, uh, Shoshana Griffin has uh, talked about this at length. Life is a test. And 
if you think about it like that, it can be that can be a little depressing. Life is a test. You know, you're just going to go through life and it's going to be one struggle after another. Which basically is true. You know, Amy uh, Amy Fick, another one of our newlyweds, Amy Fick uh, was telling me about a meme she had seen on Facebook. And the meme was basically, uh, you know choose your heart. I, I don't recall all the different things, but it, what she was telling me was very good. It was like marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your heart. You know, uh, yeah, being athletic and healthy is hard. Uh, being unhealthy and, you know, not taking care of yourself is also hard. Choose your heart. You know, uh, such a good thing because life is hard. And so you get to choose your heart. Uh, there's no easy path. And if you think somebody's having an easy life, you are mistaken. But if you think about studying the Torah for the Torah's sake, meaning that's connecting you to Hashem, and then we understand that trials and tribulations are all intended to draw us closer to Hashem, what we're really seeing here is that God really wants to connect with us. He wants to connect with us, which is why he commands us to keep his commandments. God commands us to keep his commandments so that we can connect with him. This is why the statement, and I don't really understand the statement because it's completely false. It is completely false. And I don't, I say, unless somebody can show me, which has not happened in 27 years of, of, of ministry, but I'm still open, uh, where it's true, and that is where Paul makes the statement, and I don't know what he was thinking, and that's one of the problems with Paul's letters is 99% of the time we don't know what he was thinking uh, or what he was even talking about. We're, we're just, we're playing guess, guess. Uh, you know, it's, it's a game show. Let's guess what Paul was talking about because we just don't know because we don't have the, you know, we don't have the first part or second part or whatever the conversation but Paul says at one point that the the commandments were given only so that sin could be realized, that it was utterly sinful, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, I, I re, As I said, I, I've studied that for 27 years. I've read all there is to read, I think, about it. Uh, it's a completely false statement on its face, because when you read the scriptures, when the, the Torah testifying about itself— says the exact opposite, that the Torah was given to bring life, okay? It's numerous places. Psalm 19 is a good example, but it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Okay, so, so God says, the reason I gave you the Torah is I want you to connect with me. By entering into Torah observance, this is how you connect with me. Uh, and so... What we see when we see life as a test, we can see this now as, as a positive. Because instead of going, oh my God, life is a test. Now, like Eeyore, now we can say, hey, life is a test. And the reason it's a test is because every test draws us nearer 
to Hashem. That's really what's being experienced here. Joseph's test drew him nearer to Hashem. Now, naturally, we have a choice in the matter. A test can distance you from Hashem. I'm, with God's help, in the middle of writing a little booklet about the power of failure in our lives. Uh, and and how how we can harness the power of failure to ascend higher than we were initially. Uh, and, and it's and it's it's an absolute truth. I've experienced it. I am experiencing it. And our sages talk about it. However, it's not automatic. There are plenty of people who experience failure in their life and they don't ascend from it. And the reason they don't is because they don't harness it the way you're supposed to. And of course, naturally, the way you're supposed to harness it is through teshuva, to use the failure to springboard you back closer to God. So Yosef used this experience to draw him closer to Hashem because he never lost his hope. He never lost his hope. The brothers are also experiencing this. This that all of these trials and all of these tribulations that they've gone through, all of the anxiety that they're facing in Egypt. Can you imagine? No, you can't. I can't. Ladies and gentlemen, they're being accused, falsely of course, of very serious crimes by essentially the king of Egypt, the king of the world, let's put it that way. And I mean, this is no joke. They they could face life in a dungeon. They could face death. I mean, it's serious business. You know, they're accused of stealing the money. They're accused of stealing the goblet. They're accused of being spies and liars. I mean, it is some high crimes and misdemeanors that are being accused here. And so you can't... I'm just... Most, let me put it this way, most people who've never been falsely accused of anything, like a crime, cannot even begin to fathom, even remotely, what level of hell that brings you to. It's unbelievable. And of course, naturally, because the king is accusing them, the, the guy in authority, everybody else in the kingdom knows they're guilty, right? It's on, it's, it's on the Egyptian nightly news. It's on the ENN net network, and you know, you know, uh, everybody's making their claim, you know, because they were accused by the king. Clearly, they're guilty. Let's hang, let's string them up, and and get this over with. So it's very stressful. But all of this stress, all of the anxiety, all of this really, really horrible situation that nobody would want to be in, is ultimately going to draw them. Look at what look at the end of the result is. They ultimately become the brothers once again of the king of the world. All of this is uh bringing them into uh 
the presence of the king. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Hashem. Uh, what we got going on here? Yeah, Glenda, it's Yeshua. I understand what you what you probably think about that, but it's actually not the Lord Jesus. Um, but you can you can email me privately about that, and I will be happy to explain the difference. But that's an absolutely incorrect statement there. But I understand why you make it. Totally understand why you would say that. I understand the confusion. But email me privately. I'll be I'll be happy to explain uh, the difference. So um, looking here, let's look at some insights here. So we see that the power of trials in our life. This is this is what's so beautiful about this story. There's so many different aspects that are beautiful about this story. Um, you know that uh, the brothers are coming to this, this idea. They're being pressed, and you know. Naturally, this elevates the brothers to a high-level position. Not just level position as in, hey, look, we're brothers of the king now, but rather it really humbles them and, and, and changes them. In fact, let me this before I read this, let me read this um, statement here from Rabbi Monk's commentary. So it says here, um, I am Joseph. Ani Yosef. Basically, all it takes to, to, um, what's the word I'm trying to say here? All it takes to bring the brothers to their proverbial knees is for Yosef to say, uh, Ani Yosef. Uh, Glenda, my email is rabbi at mysarshalom.com. Rabbi, R-A-B-B-I, at mysarshalom.com. Feel free to email me. I'd love to talk to you about that. So, um, and ladies and gentlemen, this is so powerful. You know, when when you're walking in, in sin, and all of us have been there, right? All of us have been there. We've been in delusion, you know, and people... People could just talk to us at length. They could write books. Uh, you know, they could give us three-hour lectures. But really, all it takes from God is for Hashem to say, Ani Hashem, Ani Yeshua. It's just two words. And this is what happens to the brothers. And it says here, woe to us. This is the, the, the commentary. Woe to us on the day of judgment. Woe to us on the day of rebuke. If the brothers were so dismayed that they were unable to answer Joseph's rebuke, and he was, after all, only their younger brother, what will it be like on the day of the final judgment when Hakadosh Baruch Hu will demand an account from every human being? In the Talmud and Hagiga 4b, and the Midrash Rabbah, and then the Tankuma, quoting different sages, it brings the following to mind. So can, first of all, we have to be mindful that if this is all it took, Ani Yosef, is all it took for the, for the brothers to be confounded, what will it be like for us on the day of, of where we have to give a reckoning? Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we need to be well to be blunt and to speak in kind of uh 
not so graceful Southern terminology. This is why we need to shut our mouths. You ever had your mama tell you that? You know, in the South, ladies in the South are rather dignified. Uh, but some Southern mothers can say, you need to shut your mouth. <laughs> if your mama ever said that to you, you didn't say anything else. There was no but after that. Trust me. Um, when it comes to judging other people, you know, uh, talking about spreading Lashon Haran. So this is why it's so bad because we're going to have to give an account for our own sins. And then when we talked about other people's issues and problems and we judge them so harshly in our words and our gossip, all it does, first of all, it doesn't do anything to them. Well, it does hurt them. Yeah, for sure. But what it does for us is it just causes heaven to examine our books and our records. So anyway, it says here, talking about the Midrashim, it says, the brothers had always considered themselves absolutely right in their treatment of Joseph. This is actually very similar to one of the uh, uh, commentaries we were reading this morning from Rabbi Tversky, where, you know, when we're, when we're engulfed in our sin, we, uh, we very often have all kinds of rationalities and excuses as to why what we're doing which we subconsciously know is totally wrong, is actually the will of God for our life. God wants me to rob that bank. He doesn't want me to go hungry. You know, it's okay. It's okay to shoplift. I mean, after all, you know, I, he doesn't want me to go without that thing. I need it. I've, I've got to have it. And I can't afford it. So, and it's not going to hurt them anyway. They're a big company. They're, they're not going to lose. They're not going to, it's not going to, you know, we have all these rationalities, you know, uh, and in this case, the brothers thought that everything they had done was just great. It was just great. It says they had a whole series of legal motives as to, as to, uh, as it, it says here, we talked about in, in chapter 37 and verse 20. They had all these legal reasons why what they did to Yosef was okay he was a bum anyway, he was a braggadocious kid, and blah, blah, blah. They had all these things. He was trying to usurp Judah. They had all these reasons why what they did was okay. And they, their whole, What you have to understand is for 22 years, they didn't grieve over the fact that, hey, we shouldn't have done that. That was really wrong of us. What they what they were concerned about was their their lack of empathy, their their um, their harsh treatment of him. But But otherwise, they thought... Basically, killing him was just totally justified. And hopefully, you can see the the connectivity. The you can see the pattern here. It's pretty. It's pretty obvious. Pretty blatant. But it says here, little by little, they had become convinced of their complete innocence. See, the longer we stay in our sin, the little by little. We tend to convince ourselves that what we're doing is perfectly fine. And, you know, I, I think we could all testify. I know I can. You know, when you first commit a sin, and the sages talk about the dangers of this, you first commit a sin, there's kind of like that, that shock effect, like, ooh, golly, that was, um, that was really wrong. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't deal with it right then, 
confess it. Depending on the circumstances, find a trusted friend. When I say trusted friend, I mean trusted friend. Which you might you probably have one or two in your life, most likely, that are a trusted friend. Most everybody else is a friend. That's three or four more. And everybody else is just an acquaintance. But anyway, I digress. Depending on the circumstance, you might find a trusted friend and confess and ask them to pray for you and help you and, you know, that accountability partner, everybody needs one, where you can call them and say this, that, or the other, and they can, you know, they have permission to slap you in the face. Not necessarily literally, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> and, but here's the problem. When we don't deal with it right then, when we feel that shock and we're like, oh my, that was horrible what I just did. If we don't deal with it right then, what will happen is the Yetzirah will begin whispering to us and say, well, it wasn't all that bad. You know what? You couldn't help yourself. You know, um, everybody's done it. It's okay. You know what? You should have done that because this, that, or the other. And then you begin to talk yourself out. So then the next time you commit that same or similar sin, the shock is not so jarring. And then little by little, that whisper, that whisper, that whisper, that whisper. And now when you're committing the sin, not only do you think it's there's no shock effect there, but you actually have a solid case as to why what you're doing is just fine. And it's extremely dangerous. And this is what happened to the brothers. They had convinced themselves that everything they were doing was perfectly fine. But, and here's, here's where it, it all comes. It says, but when the hour of truth came, it says, 22 years later, they needed only to hear Yosef utter the words, Ani Yosef. And they were petrified, speechless. This is the power of truth. You can have a huge case of distortions and lies that you fabricated. And you can have all these justifications that you have, uh, you know, orchestrated. But truth only needs a word or two. And that one or two words completely cause your house of cards to fall. It says, this simple two-word rebuke abruptly tore away the veil of falsehood and the brothers suddenly realized the shallowness of all their excuses and all their pretexts. The whole beautiful system of defense, which they had built up over the years, suddenly crumbled. All the good reasons which we use to exonerate ourselves cannot withstand the blinding light of truth. What will it be like then on the day of supreme judgment when God will ask us to account for our deeds? You know, this is the power of Torah. This is why I spoke about Torah connecting us to Hashem. Ladies and gentlemen, life is hard. Life is a test. Uh, the more spiritual you become, the stronger the Yetzirah in you becomes. That's actually 
a lot of people to their great detriment don't understand that, maybe don't believe that, or have never been taught that. They've been taught the exact opposite. They People believe falsely that the super spiritual person, the monk, the priest, the exalted rabbi, the great sage, is somebody who basically has little to no temptations, and when and if sin presents itself, the opportunity, they slap it away like it's a little gnat, and they laugh at the devil in his face, and basically they're superheroes. Uh, that is a lie. Well, sometimes, unfortunately, the super so-called super spiritual person likes to present that picture to people. Uh, and it's unfortunate because, uh, and it's again, self-gratification. Uh, it's unfortunate because it sets people up for failure. You know, <clears throat> I, I've used this analogy before, but let's use the boxing analogy. Suppose you're a guy and you work out a lot. And as a result of all of that, you've gained a considerable amount of weight and strength and power. In addition, you're training. And because combine that with your training, you've become a very prolific boxer, a very powerful, a very uh, formidable, that's the, probably the best word, a very formidable boxer. Now you're in the heavyweight class. You're a heavyweight boxer, and you're skilled, your punches are powerful, your defense is incredible, uh, you, you're light on your feet and, and heavy in your shoulders and whatever. Well, guess what? In the boxing world, uh, they don't put you in the ring with a featherweight. They don't put you in the ring, well, hey, look, uh, Mike Tyson here, uh, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali or whatever, uh, uh, this, this heavyweight uh, professional boxer, we're going to match him up against Mr. Featherweight uh, over there who uh, basically is fairly new to the game here. And one punch from Mr. Heavyweight over here will break Mr. Featherweight in half. That's not how it works. They're going to match you with somebody who's equal in your size and skill. Because otherwise, it wouldn't be a match. That's how it is in the spirit realm. And we are led to believe to our own detriment that the higher you go up in spirituality, uh, the weaker somehow the Yetzirah becomes. And to a certain degree, in certain areas, that's true. You know, we don't struggle with the same things we struggle with when we first became born again through Messiah Yeshua, praise God. We don't struggle with those same things. The old addictions and the old habits and the old self is largely dead. However, new things pop up that we either didn't have to deal with back then because it was a different world for us, or there are smaller things that have, you know, that have taken a new path. The Yetzirah, which is really the Satan, uh, is a great tactician, and he looks and probes for your weaknesses. This is why we have to be ever vigilant. This is why we have to study the Torah for the Torah's sake. And stay connected to Hashem. And this is how we, why we have to learn 
from our failures and grow from them. Sometimes God allows us to fail because sometimes failure is the best teacher. It's like, you know, sometimes you take, you got to take the training wheels off and let the kid fall. A scraped knee sometimes can be the best teacher about how to learn how to ride a bike. Trust me, isn't it true? Why? Because as a kid, we don't want to scrape our knee again. So guess what? Now we take the lessons to heart that the parents trying to teach us about how to ride the bicycle. Because we don't want to scrape our knee. But we inevitably do. And the scraping the knee can be the best teacher. How many of us have done stupid things when we knew to do otherwise, but it, I guess we just wanted to have the accident so that we could go, yep, I guess I should have done what they said to do. And from here, here on out, we're doing what we know to do right, but it required us to have the accident first. Failure can be a great teacher. We have to be vigilant. And this is what we learn from our parsha is that when we connect to Hashem, when we allow these things, this is why Yosef said, listen, don't feel bad, right? Listen, let me just conclude by reading this from the Torah. It's so beautiful. Uh, there's another beautiful insight here about how he proved himself to be a Jew to them, which we'll get to that tomorrow. I, I do want to share this because it, it does show the importance of actual Torah observance. We can't disregard that, of course. But this is what it says. It says, then, then Yosef said to his brothers, come close to me. That, that, oh, that right there is a, is, a, is a mouthful. Come close to me. This whole thing was about drawing. I, Yosef's heart, the reason he put his brothers through this, this, this torment, because he ultimately wanted them to draw close to him. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, the reason God allows us or causes us or orchestrates whatever, our torment. Because he wants us to draw close to him. And he knows that if, if we're not walking through a hard place, then we won't ever crawl up in his lap. And sometimes he allows us to walk through some pretty hellacious things. Because he knows if we do that, we'll crawl up in his lap. We'll cling like a little child. We'll cling to his leg and say, Papa, help me here. That's what he wants. Because, And he also knows that's what causes us to grow. Then Yosef said to his brothers, come close to me if you please. And they came close. <laughs> that's another. Man, there's a, there's a lesson right there. They came close. We, we, God is saying, come close to me. And ladies and gentlemen, when he says, come close to me, come close. A lot of times pride will prevent us from, I can do this myself. It's like the little two-year-old, right? I want to put my shoes on myself. And of course, they're on the wrong feet if they're on at all. He said, I am Joseph, your brother. It is me whom you sold to Egypt. And now be not distressed, nor reproach yourselves for having sold me here. For it was to be a provider that God sent me ahead of you. Now, this is phenomenal because what the brothers did was a great sin. 
And yet, Yosef, who represents the Messiah, is saying to them, don't, don't reproach yourself for the sin. Because your sin was what was needed to orchestrate your redemption and, more importantly, the redemption of the world. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, this is another thing. This is the, this is the paradox. On the one hand, we need to be remorseful for our sin. On the one hand, we need to be, it needs to, it needs to, it needs to bother us. And on the other hand, we need to forget it and understand that it was only for the sake of drawing us nearer to God. Now, those two things are opposites. And the way we manage them is keeping them in balance. We have to we have to move forward in the wake of our failure and just focus on God. And yet at those moments when little words are said, not in malice, but you know, something is said that reminds you of your own failure. And you feel that little prick. You know, like sometimes, and I know I'm going over my time here. I'm sorry. I'm just give me a couple more minutes please. When you're doing something physical and you, 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 you have an old injury, like an old shoulder injury and, and otherwise you don't think about it, but let's say you're digging in a garden or something and, and you kind of, you know, you hit a rock or something and it kind of twings that shoulder. You haven't thought about that shoulder in quite a while, but all of a sudden it kind of, you feel that little twing. It just reminds you that you injured your shoulder one time, and a lot of times your body is just helping you remember, hey, be careful. So on the one hand, you want to move forward in God and just focus on the future. Focus on what God wants you to do. Focus on being the new person you are. And then there's times when you hear something said or you, you witness something and it, or, or, or something happens and it reminds you of your past. And you feel, you should feel that that little pinch, that little prick, that, that, that needle that goes, that hurts. That, that's an owie. That hurts me that I'm remembering that I used to be that, that man or I did that thing or I was something similar. That's okay. That's your neshama just saying, remember and be careful because you could re-injure yourself. Now move forward. And that's what he's saying here. Don't distress yourself, for God did this. He sent me here to be your Redeemer. End of our Aliyah today. Todah Rabbah for being with me. There's more to share. I have uh, some other insights here I want to share about the power of Torah in our life uh, and, and the power of observance. With God's help, we'll look at those highlights tomorrow and be able to comment on them. Comment on them, And with God's help, connect to Hashem. Until then, have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for being with me. It's my pleasure to be with you. Look forward to uh, seeing all of you tomorrow. Don't, oh, yes. Rebetzin's class today at noon. She's starting the Musar up again. She will be having her class today at noon, so be sure and join us right here. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, have a bat-filled day.
I guess. I don't know what I'm saying, but whatever. I love you. Shalom Aleichem.